return the favor soon for me, but. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, man, we're in a new series now. We're starting off here. You bear the image. You know, God created all people to be in his image. He made man in his image to be like him. Isn't that so cool? You know, the world has such a huge issue with identity. We're in an identity crisis. Some of us as individuals at times in our lives have identity crisis. And, um, you know, but um, God knows who we're supposed to be. He made us on purpose, for a purpose. He made us in his image. He made us to be like him. And ever since the fall, since the fall of, uh, of man, ever since we've sinned, uh, it's, it's distorted us. It's perverted us. It's caused us to go away from God. And ever since then, God has been trying to fix us back to his image again. And there's this constant wrestle. Here we are. And here we are in 2023, still in the middle of it. God is continually trying to bring us back to himself through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, trying to prod us to get us like him. And we constantly are fighting and prodding. He's prodding us. We're, I mean, it's just an ongoing thing. Does anybody relate with me? Anybody know what's going on here? Right? It's nonstop. So we're going to continue. We're going to start this series, You Bear the Image. And last week I talked about life is better with Jesus. And so this, the title of this message is, Life is Better with Jesus Because His Ways Are Better Than Yours. All right, so I just want to talk about how His ways are better than ours today. And uh, I'll start off with a story like I normally do. <clears throat> so when I was young, my dad and um, our whole family pulled up to a gas station to pump. And, you know, I was young, and I was like, Dad, can I pump the gas? And he's like, no, I want to get it done. Like, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, how does he know how to get the gas out faster? Like, is there some kind of secret bu turbo button on those gas pumps? You know, is he able to, like, press the buttons faster than me? Like, I'm thinking all these things. How is his ways better than my ways? I know how to pump gas. I was probably, like, 12, but, you know, I could do this. So, he said, no, I want to get it done. I'm like, like, I can't get it done? Like, and I had this, like, this, this, um, chip now, every, every single time I pump gas, this goes through my mind. I wonder if this is coming off faster than my dad, right? I wonder if there's a better way. I wonder if, uh, am I taking too long to type in the, you know, my zip code for the credit card? Is it, you know, and, and now they have the quick touch. When he was alive, they didn't have the quick touch where you could just scan it. I'm like, I'm faster than dad now, you know, like, what, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, I, in my mind, I'm like, no, I can do things better than even my dad now. And, you know, you have, we have this innate, uh, this thing called pride, I'll say it, that we all think we know how to do things better. My dad thought he knew how to pump gas better than me, and now I think I know how to pump gas because of technology better than him. Anybody uh, have this issue where they think they know how to do things better than everybody else? You know, there's a great, great uh, TV shows, you know, like Shark Tank. And everybody comes in there with these amazing innovations. And these great, uh, I my wife and I love watching Shark Tank. And it's funny because my wife always has ideas. And she's like, oh, shoot, they took my idea. You know? <laughs> she's got these brilliant ideas, you know? And, like, everybody's already taken them. But, you know, uh, anyway, it's a family joke. But um, Shark Tank is great because all these ideas and all these ways of doing innovation. 
invention and innovation, you know, it's great to watch those things and see those things. And we as people, you know, we're, 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 we think we're progressing so much, you know, we, we know how to cure diseases, different diseases now, and we know how to go to the moon. And now, you know, there's, you know, we're trying to get to Mars and, you know, there's just always this progression. We're, we're trying to figure out uh, these different things. And, but the problem becomes in all these things and in our, in our lives and in our society and in our worldview, the problem with us becoming so thinking we know how to do things better than everybody else is when we think we know how to do things better than God. It's a humanistic worldview. It's when we say, uh, you know, I can do my life without God. I don't need his help. I can do things my own way. Last night, uh, my wife and I were on our way home um, and I was stressing about this decision that we had to make concerning a car. And I was like, I don't know if I should do this or this, 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 this. I kept going back and forth, trying to figure out on my own what to do. And I was hoping that she would give me her divine wisdom that she has. And she did. She says, well, why don't you ask Jesus? Because <laughs> I think she was just bothered by me because I had been talking about it for the last three days. And so she's finally like, well, why don't you just talk to Jesus? And then it dawned on me, like, I was trying to figure all this out without even considering, even asking God. I'm probably, am I, the, I feel bad now. Am I the only one that's like that? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kason. <laughs> now, of course not. We all are, we do this. We all, uh, we all are constantly trying to figure out things on our own without the help of God. We live in a human, humanistic worldview in, in our society that we can do all these things and figure out all these things without the help of God. And we get caught up in, in our own lives as even believers in God, believers in Christ and all that he saved us and rescued us from. Yet we still get caught up in this, I can do things without any help. And God is not about that. In my uh, master's classes that I'm taking on theology right now, there's a book called The Transforming Vision by Brian Walsh and Richard Milton. And there's a quote that they say in this book. It says, for the first time since the Renaissance, we in the West, a whole civilization, a whole civilization gradually coming to the belief and assertion that humankind itself is God. They're doing this whole study on the Western civilization and how we've gone from um, uh, a, a religious culture throughout time, all through time, through uh, to now a secular, a humanistic worldview culture. Uh, and they says we we say that we need neither God nor images. The essence of modern humanism is that humanity deifies itself. In other words, we place ourselves as God. In a secular worldview, we find an, the amazing belief that man is that man really is the measure of all things and that the task of cultural development is therefore self-directed, normed by our own autonomous rationality. In other words, we think that we can do everything on our own, that we are God, and the measure of that is also ourselves. <laughs> the one that gets to decide what is right, what is wrong, the one that decides what is better, what is not better, is us right here. Me, myself, and I. I look in the mirror, and I can decide what is the best thing for me to how to live, how to treat my wife, how to raise my family, what to do as a career. I get to decide what I want to do with my time, my life, my 
family, my money, my everything, instead of having the God of the universe decide, hey, this is a better way. The difference between my way and God's ways is my ways sometimes sound good, but God's ways always work. There's a huge difference here. And by the way, how are things going, right? (laughs) It's an epidemic that we think that we know more than God. We as a society have replaced God with science that can't even stop a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, by the way. We have placed God with technology that we can't even live without looking on our phones. Even We have technology right here. I'm using this mic. We have these lights. We have all this. We, we, we have replaced God with commerce, that we always need more. More time, more money, more vacations, more better cars, more houses, whatever it may be. We always want and need more, and we replaced it. And the problem with this is that when we pursue our God-given uh, rule of creation of how we are supposed to be the image of God and be like him and, and be with him and replace that instead of us being um, in control and in charge is that it results in great disaster. World war, hatred, lust, greed, competition, imperialism, uh, environmental destruction, Right? And in fact, in the back of this book, it says, they said, we are deed in finding in these anxious days that professing to be wise, we have become fools. Disregarding the word of the creator, we are being exposed in the depths of our folly. And what better truth is that today? Just look around. Just watch the news for a little bit. No matter what side of the aisle that you are on, it is bad on the other side. Right? It's just bad. There's just a lot of things going on. Um, but I want to just propose to you today that life is better with Jesus because his ways are better. That he has a better way, a better way to do things, a better way to control things, a better way to guide things, a better way to provide for things, a better way to heal things. There's two fish, right, in the ocean and they're swimming along, two little fish. And an older, bigger fish came along and said, hey guys, how's the water? And the two fish swam around and they said to each other, what the, what, what, I'll, I'll uh, Christianize it. Uh, what in the world is water? You see, we've been so indoctrinated with the worldview and this humanistic society that we don't even realize that we're even caught up in it at times. We do things and make ideas and make decisions when we don't even realize that we're being controlled and, in, and influenced by the culture that, has, that we grew up in. Thinking that it's great. In Romans, the book of Romans, Paul is addressing the Roman church. And many people, if you probably did a survey of and you asked every person that's ever been a Christian, what is their favorite book in the Bible? I think Romans may win. In the middle of Romans, and well, kind of middle, in the eighth chapter of Romans is probably the center of where everything comes together of the whole human worldview of what God has intended for us. 
right? So in the beginning, God created us in his image, like Ari said. We fell, we messed up, he got to try to fix it again and again. Then he ultimately fixed it by Jesus. And Paul is addressing the Roman church of who now we are and what we can be again and should have been in the first place because of what Jesus has done for us. And Romans 8 is this, this beautiful chapter in the Bible that shows us who we should be, how we should live as a people, as a person, period. And so I wanna just, we're gonna actually just stay in Romans 8 this week, next week, and the week after. Myself, Pastor Bethany, and myself again. And we're gonna... Um, just talk about the different things in this book because there's so much to impact. And I want to encourage you during these next weeks to come to look into Romans 8, to read Romans 8, to go deeper. If you've never gone deeper into the scriptures, to take, break down a scripture in there, maybe your favorite one in there or a few of them or maybe one that you question and just go deeper into it. Look at, a, uh, you can go to blueletterbible.com and it kind of breaks down every word in the original uh, Greek that it, that it was written in, and it breaks it down to the meaning. You can go into some concordances um, that uh, you can find also online and just, just study some of this scripture because this chapter of the Bible is so life-changing and it deals with us becoming back to the people that God has called us to be. So in this, in this um, ver, uh, chapter eight, and I'm just gonna read just a few of the chapters, <clears throat> I mean, just a few of the uh, verses in it. Um, where um, we have, it summarizes that we have been doing things our own way. Uh, that we were once kind of walking in darkness, but now there is now, it starts off with there's now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Jesus. That we were once trapped and we were once condemned, but because of Jesus we're set free. And then in verse is, um, I must read eight through um, 11. I'm sorry, uh, six through 11. It says this, it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Yeah, this is like, I know, and I apologize, you know, I try to, I had even talked to my sister before this, like, it's just, there's so much stuff here in the scriptures. And I'm trying to really simplify it to make sure everybody can stay with me and stay with the scriptures and understand it. It's difficult, I'm just gonna be honest, on this, on this chapter. Bethany will probably do a much better job next week because she's a really good teacher. I'm a preacher and I have a hard time sometimes with this complicated scriptures, but I'm gonna try, right? So the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We have traded um, a mind that was governed by ourselves like what I just prefaced this whole sermon with. Our way, my way, doing things however I wanted. We once lived that way, right? Right? Yeah. We once lived however we wanted to live. But the Bible says that a mind governed by that is death. 
a mind governed by the person, by their own flesh, that when they become humanistic, in other words, when we become our own God, when we decide that what's best for me is determined by me, the Bible said there's some huge issues. It's called death. It leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to all these horrific things. And the Bible just talks about it. And not just the Bible, by the way, history is full of it. Our own lives are full of it, right? We can look back in our own lives and see how we made some really, uh, some decisions, a lot of decisions and realize, ouch. We have hurt other people. We've, uh, other people have hurt us. We have messed up decisions for our, our, our own trajectory in our lives. We have messed up decisions for our children at times. We have, could I, do I need to keep going on? God needed to, if, if, I'm sorry, like if there's people in here that are perfect, because, um, because I'm, not, I'm not one of them. And like, uh, if there are people that are, do everything right, uh, then maybe this probably is not the message for you, right? So um, you can just, like, just, I'm sorry, just get on your phone and play or something, you know? <laughs> no, right? We all know that we needed saving, we needed a, a rescuer. We needed a savior. We needed, we needed help. And we still do. Today, I need Jesus' help more than when I received him when I was four or five years old. I probably need him more. I've got a lot more issues, <laughs> right? We all need God. And the Bible's saying in this scripture, the mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. That when we allow the decisions of our life to be made, not by me, but by God, and we really inquire what he says about the situation, other circumstances, the Bible says that we will have a life that is governed by life and peace. Now, I talk to a lot of people. And life and, and, and <laughs> uh, peace and life is not what oozes out of most people these days. In fact, anxiety, depression, worry is probably the leading leak out of a person's, right? And if we're honest, we've probably, in this place, if we were really honest with ourselves, what really leaks out of you most days? Is it more worry and anxiety? Or is it peace and happiness and joy in the Holy Spirit? Which one, on a regular basis, I know we have bad days sometimes, I know we have good days sometimes, you know, especially when we get to go to Disney World, but like there's different times, like on a regular basis, what leaks out? This is a good litmus test for us, isn't it? To try to determine, are we ruling is it maybe because we're ruling our own life and trying to do things our way instead of depending on the savior and rescuer of our souls? Phil Daniels is um, an atheist and he says his biggest fear is that as an atheist, I fear that I'm right. Because without God, humans must find their own way. Without God, humans must save their own world. 
if it's even going to be saved. How's that working? (laughs) We as a people, we as individuals, we as a nation, we as a church, we as a family, we need help. We need an outside source to come and rescue us from our own mind, from our own self, from our own sin. Our minds, when it's governed by the flesh, is hostile to the God, the scripture says. It's against God when it doesn't submit to God's ways and, and, and it can't because it's doing its own ways and it cannot please God, the Bible says. But then, that was verses six through eight, but then in verse nine, Paul says this interesting pivot. And he says, you, however, And he starts to talk about our image and our identity. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. You know what's really cool about this chapter? This chapter uses the word spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, more than any other chapter in the entire Bible. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, this one talks about the Holy Spirit one, once every, every two scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it explains what the Holy Spirit even is and what the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, um, it talks about it one every three verses. And so there's something here. The Bible says you are not in the realm of the flesh anymore, but instead the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, because, uh, it's, 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 uh, I'm sorry, I phrased that wrong. I'm gonna start over. You, however, not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And, if the, and the righteousness comes from Christ and what he did for us. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Where is the Spirit of God living? Where is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living now? In you. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you, to your mortal bodies and to the Spirit who lives in you. The culmination of the whole gospel right there, coming all together. We couldn't do it on our own. We fell away. We kept falling away. We keep falling away. God continues to try to fix, continues to fix, sends Jesus to ultimately fix. And now the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Now look, I want to just kind of bring this down just a little bit to some practical. We know that we're sinners. If we're really honest, the Bible says that all have sinned. All have fallen. We struggle. Paul talks about the same author that wrote this book, wrote the other, another book where he talks about our, his struggle with sin and how he wrestles with it and he doesn't do the things he wants to do. Instead, he does the things that he doesn't want to do. He's talking about struggling with sin. You and I always, we're gonna struggle with sin this side of heaven. We're gonna have temptations. We're gonna have things and the hope is that over time that we'll get better at overcoming it. But whether we do or not, 
the Bible is very clear that because of Jesus Christ's victory on the cross that we are forgiven for our sins from the past, present, and future. Anybody with me? Nobody's thankful for that? I'm pretty thankful for that. Thank God, right? So, so the Bible says, this starts off this whole chapter eight, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you are a believer of Christ, you have no need to be condemned anymore because of your wrongdoings. Doesn't mean that it gives you a prescription to say, oh, keep doing wrong, because those things lead to death. They hurt you, they, they hurt others. But because you do things wrong, and because we make mistakes at times, and the Bible says in another scripture, if, if we confess our sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, right? And so the Bible is saying that if we do commit sins, that he is able, he will forgive us. But here's the issue. I see it common a lot of times. It's because people have such shame and condemnation because of the things that they've done or the things that they're stuck in or continue to do. They don't receive what God wants to do in their life. They don't receive the spirit that leads them to life. I think a lot of us think, I can't go in that trajectory until I get rid of this trajectory. Does that make sense? I can't live for God if I still have this in my life. But the scripture right here is showing that they both are happening at the same time. On one side of us, in us, there's this war going on of us fighting against our human nature and against the culture of the world and and temptation and things. And at the same time, the spirit is trying to give us life hope, greater things. And if we, allow this, if we allow this to stop us from the greater, then that's gonna lead to death. But if, while we're trying to fight against this, we say, Holy Spirit, I still need your help today. It wasn't just a one-time prayer that this was supposed to disappear, but salvation is a continual process. Does everybody hear me? Con- salvation is a continual process. It doesn't happen when you said a prayer. It's a continual process. And it'll be a continual process until we're made completely new with brand new bodies. In other words, after death. <laughs> so in this process of us trying, attempting to, to, to manage ourselves and to manage these things, uh, which we're not very good at, by the way, especially without the Spirit, if in the time that we're doing that, we would allow the, more of the Spirit in our lives and be open to, God, I need more of you, and allow the Spirit to flow through us despite the sin in our lives, eventually this will become greater and this flesh will become less. That's the process of sanctification or being closer to God or salvation. So I wanna, uh, I, I feel like this, this is new to some people. And it's a, a subject that I think a lot of people in this place have been paralyzed in stepping forward in their calling and their purposes of God or even receiving from God. You know, Anthony did a great job leading worship this morning, didn't he? And he's saying, <clears throat> he shared his testimony and then he asks, you know, for us to receive, God, I receive your reign. In other words, I receive your spirit. I receive what you have for me. 
And some of you in this place couldn't do that because you're like, well, God, I can't do that because I have all these other issues and all these other problems. But I wanna challenge you that God's ways are better than our ways. And that if you will push to the side that thought and those, that condemnation and that shame and say, God, I know I don't deserve it. I know that I've fallen. I know that I'm fallen. I instead receive from you. God will come and give you hope and joy and peace, like the scripture says here, and he'll set your life on a new trajectory to make all things new. It's not gonna happen today <laughs> or this month. It's gonna happen forever. Well, on this side of heaven anyway. Jesus can do better. <clears throat> you know, a lot of psychologists and, um, you know, they talk about neuropathways and how people get stuck in repeating patterns, right? They explain this, they have these, and some of you may have heard those, you know, if you take a baby elephant and you tie him to a post, when he's young, he'll fight and fight and he'll try to pull and you just have to tie his one leg to this post that's in the ground and because he's little, he's not strong enough to break the post and he'll fight it and fight it and fight it when he's little and realize that he can't fight this post or this rope. And so when the baby elephant grows up to a full mature elephant, all the trainer has to do is still tie him to this post that now he could easily break from and become free. But because his neurological pathways tell him that I'm still in bondage to this whatever's on my leg, I can't, he doesn't even fight anymore. And those are what psychologists will talk about these neurological pathways that people get trapped in when even they don't have to be trapped in them anymore. And even greater so what the scripture is talking about, that we were once living these ways, we once were in this thing, but now we are free because of Christ. And but because, uh, because we are so used to our own patterns, we continually get caught up in the same addictions, the same patterns, but yet God has a better way. And so as I close here today, I wanna give you really quick, just three things of what we need, need to do to make a change in these things, that how Jesus has a better way. Number one, obviously, well, maybe not obvious to everybody, but that we need a savior, right? We need salvation. And I, when I say this, I don't mean a one-time prayer. That's just the start. But whether you, got, whether you received Christ and started believing in him uh, yesterday or today or 50 years ago, we still need Jesus to rescue us, to save us today, just like we did a long time ago. And so we need to continue to ask God to help my mind, help me to overcome, help me to know you, help me to receive your spirit and to live in your spirit instead of my ways. That never changes. Number two, admit that your ways may sound good, but God's ways are better and actually work, right? Verse seven and eight, that those with the mind set on the flesh lead to death and cannot submit to God's ways and thus cannot please God. But those in the spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and he will raise you. When I um, was in my early 30s, I had a bunch of interns and we pulled up to a gas station. We were on our way on a trip 
and we pad, and we were in a van, and there's, I don't know, probably six, seven of us, and we pulled up in a van, and I had to get gas, and one of the interns was like, hey, you want me to pump the gas for you? I'm like, no, I want to get it done, and so I go, and I pump the gas, and in my rush, in my wisdom, I pull out of the gas station with a nozzle still in the tank. And I stripped the whole thing right off and I was like, no, my dad would be so disappointed. He was right this whole time. He was right. All these years, I've been trying to do things better than him and I still can't even pull out of the gas station, right? Life has a way of humbling us. And we need to admit that we need God's help. We don't know all things. And number three, last but not least, live, receive the spirit of God. Verse nine, those in the flesh can never please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. When you receive Christ, the spirit of God drew you to him. I wanna talk to you about receiving more of the Holy Spirit, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to live in you, wants to flow through you. Jesus says, I won't just give you water that you'll thirst again, but I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. This Holy Spirit that will, will well up in like a well within inside of you and help you to overcome, help you to live right, help you to hear from God, help you to make better decisions because they're God's ways and not our ways. The Spirit puts to death the practices of the body. The Spirit puts to death curses that were on our life. The Spirit of God frees us from the chain that we're tied to this peg like an elephant. The Spirit is mentioned here uh, every two scriptures on average. And so read chapter eight of Romans. Life is better with Jesus because his ways are better than yours. One last quote. <laughs> this is from Michael de Montague. It says, a wise man can be mistaken, a hundred men can. Indeed, according to us, the whole human race has gone wrong for centuries at a time over this or that. He talks about different things like the Holocaust and just all these different things. So how can we be sure that the human race, the human nature ever stops getting things wrong and that she is not wrong now, even in our own period? God, we just thank you that you are never wrong. And our wisdom and our knowledge depends on you, not on ourselves, not on human wisdom, not on human knowledge, but on you. God, your life is better with you because your ways are better than our ways. Your ways are better than our ways. And God, I pray that today that we will make a conscious decision to say, God, I have been making decisions without you. I have been doing things my way, however I want to do them, but today I come and say, no longer. God, I am going to inquire with you. I'm going to seek you first. You know, guys, the scripture says in Proverbs to acknowledge God in all of our ways and he will make our paths straight. So God, today we acknowledge you in all of our ways. Forgive us for doing things without you. Forgive us for getting caught up in thinking that we know better. Now help us, Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. 
to be led by you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come in our lives, to give us the same power that raised Christ from the dead so that we can live for you, so we can shine for you, so that we can make a difference for you. We can't do it without you, Holy Spirit. Come on, would you just tell him something like that right now? God, I can't do it without you. Help me, Jesus. Maybe you're here in this place and you've never received Jesus before. Maybe you're watching online. And today is a great opportunity for you to make things right between you and your creator. Maybe you're one that's been running from him or hiding from him or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're hiding because of shame and guilt, fear. Maybe you just don't want to, you've just been running because you want to go your own way. But today you say, you know what? I'm going to surrender today. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to allow his ways to guide me instead of my ways. In fact, I believe that my ways have been wrong and have separated me from him. And today I'm going to allow him to forgive me. If that's you here in this place, would you do it with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed? Would you just lift your hand so I could see it? You say, I want Jesus to fix me. I need his help. I see your hands. Anybody else? I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, I want to pray for those in this place. You can put your hands down. <clears throat> I want everybody to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I've gone my own way. I've done things my way. Today I say I'm sorry. Forgive me. I know this has caused separation between you and I. But today, I ask for forgiveness and I receive what Jesus did by taking my place on the cross. Help me now to know you and to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for those that just did that in this place. Look, if you said that prayer for the first time or you're coming back to God and maybe you said this many a times, either way, would you please connect with us? You can connect at the connection booth out there or even better yet, just text Jesus or text chapel to 444-2100. One of the pastors, myself, Kaysen, will get back in touch with you. And we wanna, because we wanna help you in your next steps with walking with Jesus, how to get to know him, how to talk to him, how to pray, how to read your Bible. God's got some good plans for your life and we don't want you to miss them. Would you do that one way or another? Please, I just uh, urge you to do that. We're gonna close the service off with uh, uh, one more song and worship. So would you stand to your feet as we worship Jesus one more time?